With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Welcome to Michigan General Assembly helping other states uh, for Illinois. Call number two. And uh, we got to join me. Number of two five zero five three five nine eight one, which I'll give out later. And again, I'll tell you the number two five zero five three five and nine eight one. And at this time, we'll it's all at you for roll call. Okay. We got some background noise on there from some somebody on the call. It, it's okay. definitely. I'm, I'm going to okay. mute myself. Thanks. Okie doke. Uh, Paul, Paul, you on? Yes, I'm here. Okay, I can just barely hear you. John Lewis? Present. Buck? Yes, sir. Buck's here. Uh, Joe Belton? Linda Colby and Dan Colby are on. Emily Gay and Don Gay are on. And Joe Fry and Jesse Fry are on. Present, yep. Richard Olson. Cindy Luce is on. And Nick is on. Yep. We've got the whole crowd, and Narveen will be right back on. This is the uh, January... 25th, 2017, the Officers Committee call with Illinois. Moderator Paul Thompson. And we'll wait just a little bit when uh, Illinois gets back on again, and we'll read the Bivens decision. Oh, that number again while we're waiting. Oh, the uh, join me number, joined at me forward slash is 250-535-981. Thank you. I could hurt the first time you're giving it out. All right, you're there. Be able to do dual simultaneous devices. And for the record, we have 12 of us on here with that roll call. I'm going to have to jump off and jump back on later. 
All right, take pictures for us. Yes, Joe, that is correct. Yep. And I will let you know when I see any of Illinois on the board. Would you give that uh, join me number again, please? The join that me forward slash is two five zero dash five three five dash eight or I'm sorry, dash nine eight one. Last Thank number you. is nine eight one. Question, Mr. Moderator. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, Joe. Have we given them a uh, a way to call back to talk to you and listen to the to this? It would only be for this code, I suppose, which would be for the Illinois. And she, one of them is on. You mean so Illinois can get in and, and listen to the call from the week before? Yes. That one's not on this call. Pardon? I haven't moved that one over. Oh, that the one that showed up is not here? No, that, this is the first call, this new number. Okay, okay, correct, correct. So they would be able to do that or or, or no? You'll have to inform them if you wish. We can give them how we want to do it, the website, through to get to them. That way they have records. They can listen back and... Okay, we have Illinois on the state. Could we? Is that you, Narveen? Yes, that's me on the phone. I just got back. I tried to call. There may be some problem on the other end with Steve because they're having some crises in Florida, it seems. Uh, so he was not able to pick up the phone, which means he must be on a phone call. Uh, so 
I left a message and I gave him the number on his text message, and so he'll probably join in later if he can. Okay. But in the, in the meantime, I'll make notes of everything. Okay. Narveen, have you got someone else that you would like to put on the call? Um, I didn't schedule it with anyone else. I would schedule it only with Steve and Dave. Okay. And um, so I'm not sure I can get other people on the call at this time. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay, we're going to read the Bivens decision at this time. Joe, please. Yes, sir. This meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting inflammatory rhetoric in public form is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. To eliminate all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present? Is there any response to the Bivens decision for the first time? And for the second time, this meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting inflammatory rhetoric in, in public forum is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. To eliminate all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present. Is there any re any response to the Bivens decision for the second time? And again, this meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting inflammatory rhetoric in public forum is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner to eliminate all, all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present? Is there any response to the Bivens decision for the third and final time? Hearing none, moderator, it's your floor. Thank you very much, Joe, and thank you everyone for being on this call tonight. We're going to follow the same format as we followed the last time. Illinois is free to speak at any time that they would like to question or comment. Uh, everyone in Michigan will uh, be by the side. I'm going to turn the meeting over to Paul when he gets to a point in the meeting where he would like some others to speak. He will call on them. Paul, the meeting is yours. Hello, guys. Steve from Illinois here. Yes. Thank you, Steve, for being on. Thank you, Steve. Okay, this is Paul Jean. Can everybody hear me this evening? I can't, can't hear you at all, Paul. Just barely hear you talking. Can you hear me now? A little, a little bit better. Very low. How's that? Well, if we need a little more volume, wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. Well, I'm trying to use a headset tonight instead of being on speakerphone. I'd rather have you go back to that speakerphone at this time. Good. 
Yeah, how's that? Oh, clear. Okay. Till the furnace kicks on. Okay. Um, where do we want to pick up this evening? I guess the basic thing was is that um, there's two things from last week. Was number one the statehood, settling a state, and number two going backwards in the timeline of history, showing where things have come apart at. And I see that in my email here that there's um, a few things that have been forwarded on Illinois statehood. There's a 5,000-year leap in Judge Napolitano's natural law speech and the Forefathers Monument from Thanksgiving to Linda Colby and Dan Colby for digging these out of our archives and forwarding this. I believe with those titles of those emails, there's going to be some extra attachments to them. And to save some time in a lot of this, instead of going backwards on a timeline, showing and explaining each part of this, how things have come apart, I'll just cut to the chase. In the 1860s, when there was a meeting between the states, when there was a, a congressional meeting, like they're supposed to, according to the Constitution, There was a meeting that was signed die. In other words, they never planned on having another meeting. It was in December. They never planned. They never set a time. They never set a calendar date. They didn't do anything. Shortly thereafter was the Civil War, or properly termed, the Northern Aggression. If you notice that at any given time when there is not a meeting to carry on, and this is one thing that we've been trying very careful in this assembly here in Michigan, is you always set a date for a time and meeting further on for your next meeting. If you don't, you're dead. Your whole program stops right there. Especially being this style of assembly and this style of republic that we're seeking. You fail to have a meeting, the whole house of cards falls on its face. It's all done. So yes, Michigan, 1835, 1837, got things settled in Michigan. Obviously, in Illinois, it was 1818. Everybody had a rep. Everybody had a, a statesman. Everybody had a senator. But the thing is, at the time, after this come apart and there was a civil war, if you study the style of government that was implemented the following year, you will find that there is no such thing as a republic. Matter of fact, there's a gentleman that I used to converse with back about 20 years ago by the name of Brad Barnhill. And he explained in detail, we do not have a republic. But in the meantime, in order to obtain that, every vacant seat in every state has to be filled. And I don't mean by somebody that's going to be operating in that office. It has to be filled by a body, a live body, they have what's called a 
um, interim seating, an interim government. Once it's made notice that you have these seats filled, then you can move ahead and actually have a proper election by casting ballots. There has not been a proper election. There's not been a proper oath. There's not been a proper date even set since the last congressional meeting prior to the Civil War. That was republic back then. That was constitutional back then. After that, it's been utter chaos. So what somebody was talking about earlier about this trust and this and us being beneficiaries, you could throw it all out the window. It does not exist because there's not been a man who has been an office holder who is subject to the republic of the unity of states of America. It's gone. And it's been proven. These seats have to be filled in a interim fashion before moving ahead ever again to a, a republic. This goes back to settling each state. Each state has to have their seats filled. The representatives, the statesmen, the delegates, and the senators have to be all filled. Without it, you cannot have a settled state in an interim fashion. If you want to study the term interim much more, you'll find that Egypt, after Mubarak left, Egypt was one a very good example of what an interim system is supposed to function as. Iraq was a joke. Egypt is the closest one to look at for right now. So that's why we go back and we get these counties settled, we get the area settled, then we decide to settle the state in an interim fashion. Once it's done, then there's enough of the population to have an election to cast the ballots to fill those seats. And the reason is those seats have to be filled ahead of time in an interim fashion is to make sure that every vacant seat that possibly can exist in a republic is taken care of and acknowledge that it does exist and it does have a reason for existing. With that, I stop right now. Paul, I would like to interrupt you just a second. Steve, down there in Illinois, uh, have you got a copy of the uh, Pan-American Agreement that Naveen sent you? Uh, yeah, I do. Would you like to join me, number, to look at the screen we have or not? Oh, I, I, did, I didn't know that was possible. Yes, it is. Uh, okay. We I'm, do, I'm, we're I'm, on, I'm on the I'm on my phone, so that wouldn't be possible. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead, Paul. Okay. This is where this is where I've stopped for a pause if anybody's got anything. But this is I see to get the underlying reason of instead of starting yesterday and going backwards, 
we need to get back to the point of beginning of why and how come this republic fell on its face and does not exist. There's hints of issues of a double standard government prior to the 1860s where things were clouded. And I'll give you a very good example. Rhode Island. Rhode Island actually had three governments on the same soil, three styles of government. And for a while there, momentarily, all three of them existed at the same time. And one of them was a plantation style government. So when you start looking and researching this of what style government is and how it functions and how it's supposed to operate, we have not operated in a republic fashion in many, many years. And that's the reason why we've got to turn the clock back and reassemble, and that's what Mr. Lee said, to reassemble the people in the vote to bring back a republic. So with that, anybody's got any questions on going back to this point? that carries us on quite a bit is the 5,000 Year Leap and the 5,000 Year Leap has been a very good book laying out the history of this country and what a republic is even going as far back as prior to this country the republics that were and our best teacher in this matter is John Lewis who is the one that brought the book to the meeting in the first place and has been a uh, rather a good source of information not only on this subject but also a he's one I most of us go to to obtain copies of this book the 5,000 year leap so with us so far anybody got any questions I would like to make a comment. Yes, please. If I may, that was an excellent, um, excellent email, the video and um, the information that was given there. And I find that, uh, I, I know that I'm going to be forwarding that a lot. I find that a lot of the things that we need to look towards is all covered in that. Was very pleased with that. So I thank you very much for sending it. You're more than welcome. I have a question. I don't know if it's um, if this is a time for a question. Yes. 
Yes, go ahead, Mark. What is the what is the mean what is the significance of this? I don't get it. With the Pan American Treaty because that's for a certain area, a certain time, but what difference does it make for us now? I don't the get thing, it. The thing is is in the Pan American Treaty there are sections in there that pertain to public offices that were supposed to be governmental-held offices, they're public offices. And they're not for us anymore. They're not for the people. They're actually been privatized. They've been not only act as a corporation, they've been privatized in the whole process. And when you look at the Brent Woods Agreement, the Brent Woods Agreement used the Pan-American Treaty to what we call steal the deal or confirm that these public offices, these courts, these Secretary of State, police, county sheriffs, even the governor's office, how it all coincides into this Brent, Brent Woods Agreement, which goes back to the Pan-American Treaty. These are not your public offices. These are private. Okay. And so, in effect, what you're telling me is that it is enforced. You're absolutely correct. So it's an active treaty. Yes, it still is to this day. I did not know that. Thank you. Yes. There's been, uh, John Lewis and I were going through this, some of the history on the Pan-American Treaty. And at one time, under the Bretwoods Woods Agreement, at one time we found evidence that it was terminated by a U.S. president. That U.S. president turns out to be Richard Nixon. But I noticed in studying with John Lewis and some of the paperwork that he had that it was brought back up in the House and the Senate in 1989. But the reason that Richard Nixon was taken out of office is because he did away with a Brentwood's agreement by one stroke of a pen. The thing is, in 1989, in some references thereafter, it's been referred to again and used again. Now, people that seem to use, let's let's use an example here that um, in Illinois, the speed limit is 55 miles an hour on all secondary two-lane roads. Tomorrow, the speed limit's going to be 60 miles an hour. The problem is next week, we're going to find a lot of police officers writing you speeding tickets for doing 60 and the 55 because they think that they want to use, enforce, and act upon an old act that benefits the police force due to revenue reasons. Yes. Do you, do you follow me? Absolutely. 
Okay. This is what's been going on because the thing is, is I was working on a case about 10 years ago, 8, 10 years ago, and the case was dismissed, but I never got the reason for a full dismissal. I had to go back to the federal court, and they knew where they were sitting, all four sets of papers, all four filings. They were sitting on a back shelf. I'm like, that's rather interesting. They weren't mailed back. I don't see them. So they brought them to me. What was interesting is it said on the front cover of the judge's opinion why it was dismissed. Okay. Private individuals cannot bring a recall action against a public office. Watergate versus Nixon. And I thought, oh, okay. When you study Watergate versus Nixon, the why and how come private individuals or people cannot bring a RICO action against a public office. Okay, I understand that. But what was actually Richard Nixon really up to? It wasn't over Watergate. It wasn't over tapes. It was a monetary reason that he did in this country. He actually released this country from the Bret Woods Agreement. That's why they wanted him out of office. The bankers wanted him out. So they railroaded him on some fictitious charge. The thing is, is when you sit and read Watergate versus Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon's case was dropped. Richard Nixon was never, ever criminally charged. Richard Nixon never, ever had to be... Um, I'm looking for the right word by Gerald Ford. He never had to be exonerated. He never had to be um, pardoned. Richard Nixon never had to be pardoned because he was never charged. All that was was a smokescreen. If people would dig into the reason that Richard Nixon did what he did, you'll find it very interesting. But that's the thing between the Pan-American Treaty and the Brent Woods Agreement. What you think is your offices, your public offices, they don't exist, folks. They don't. There's very, very limited use in those private corporations. They claim themselves as a public office. Very, very limited use. And I strongly say that on the limited use. So, anybody got any comments or questions right now? Paul, would it would it be uh, in order to uh, point out the exact place in this in this Pan American Agreement exactly where the transfer was made? Got a lot of noise on the line. Somebody needs to mute themselves.
Okay. Oh, come on, you... I would have to look myself. I can tell. I can tell you by quote. But as for exactly which section, I would have to go through and look myself. I know that. I know it's the last paragraph in the document that I was reading. I'm just trying to find I would actually have to sit down and go through this line by line myself Because in the training, in in that paperwork we had for train the trainer, I, I looked right at it and I read it. It's at the bottom of a page on the right hand side that I do remember. And that's that's the only way I could find is to go back through my train the trainer manual, specifically on documents, supporting documents, to do what we're doing, and look at the bottom right hand page, the last paragraph. Is that noise coming on your end? Yeah, how's that? A lot better. Okay, let, let's move on to another part. Um. I'd like to approach the floor, please. Okay. I'd like to thank very much for the information. I had no idea about Nixon and uh, the importance of what was happening. It stands to perfect reason. He was a really good president, so it stands to reason that there was something like this behind the scenes and a mistake had... um, been uh, framed 
so I'm very grateful that for that information. Thank you very much. At a, time, at a time when you can, I'd like. There's a question that I'd like to ask, and if this is the right time, then um, so be it. Yes, this is a good time. Okay, for the sake of Steve, I'd like to go over what your election process is for July the fourth. So, if you can please explain it to him, he'd, he'd much rather hear it. <laughs> I'd much rather that he hear it from you. Well, Narveen, tonight we have a special guest on our end. We have the chairman of the committee for re-election purposes. Wow. Nick, would you like to uh, speak to the people from Illinois, please? Did he mute himself? Yeah, I believe he's probably doing an errand. He's probably getting ready for work. That's what he's doing because it's okay. Harveen, I can fill you in on that in his absence. We sat down and we put a committee together for re-election. And we made the boundaries of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it because we're laid out all over the state. We had at one time 400 people in all different areas in the state some of these people were in settled counties, and some of these people were in the territory. What we decided to do is we would have we have a meeting. We start in February. In February, the uh, re-election committee meets, and it decides upon finalizing the rules and finalizing the dates of all deadlines. And every year we update the rules. We see something that we did that was not proper, and there became a problem because of it. And uh, by last year, we had a problem that we were allowing people to carry ballots in at the uh, election meeting. And uh, this year we're going to put a stop to that. So then in about March, we have a meeting of the Education Committee, and we bring it up in the March meeting of the finalization of the rules. In April, approximately, the Education Committee brings up for nominations for the different offices. So the nominations are made, and the uh, Assembly approves a nomination for each, or if there isn't anyone running for that office, if the incumbent will rerun, they, uh, that nomination is approved, or that uh, r- r- that person running again is approved. And then a ballot is formed. A ballot with the, on one piece of paper and the rules on another piece of paper are sent out over the email to everyone that is in the assembly plus the eight counties it's sent to the uh, uh, assemblies in each county. A ballot that has to be voted also has to have another signature on it. Every ballot that comes in has a qualifying signature on that ballot so that it is official. When 
this is has to happen when a person is in the territory. There may be somebody living and they may have to drive 10 miles to another member and then they co-sign each other's ballots that are sent in. Everybody in the assembly has a number and the number is based upon the date upon which they became a member. It is a code number and it is kept with their name in uh, a set of records. Everyone has their code number that establishes them as a member of the assembly. That tells of the date that they have joined. It's in that number. That number has to be applied to the voting ballot. At the next meeting, well, from the time the ballot is established until the next meeting, the people who are running for office have an opportunity to answer questions if they're called upon, as the people in the assembly would ask if you are going to be in the a secretary or a scribe or a treasurer, what are your qualifications? Have you done this before? Uh, prior experience, how long have you been in the assembly? And also, as a side footnote, the people that join the assembly have to experience six months of membership in good standing. That means attending meetings and partaking in the part of the meeting as in the discussion and the passing of motions and so forth before they can become eligible for an office. And most of the time, those people at six months limit took an interim position. Each office in the assembly, from the moderator to the secretary and the treasurer, have interim positions. So as myself, as a moderator, the person in the interim position is the interim moderator, is someone who I am tutoring and mentoring to take this position should he decide to do so. It's the same with the secretary. She, she would have her interim secretary with her at the meetings and for taking notes, we have note takers at the meetings, and show how the secretary's report is put together and how it is fashioned and try to give an idea what is important during the meeting to be included in the secretary's report. At the time in June, let's see if I can, yeah, at the time in June, our meetings are the second Saturday of the month. In June, we do I believe the last Saturday in the month, or the third Saturday of the month, one of the two we do. And that is the day then the ballots come in and the ballots are counted. And the, excuse me, I got to sneeze. Excuse me. At that time, the ballots are counted and they are counted by three people, and they sign off on the count. 
and then three more people are drawn out of a hat, and three more people from the assembly have to go back and count the same ballots. And they certify them on a piece of paper. And at that time, three more people are drawn out of the assembly, and they make a count. So if all three counts are the same, the count must be valid. And that's the count we use for the election of the officers. And on that day in June, the new officers for the new year are sworn in. The assembly's year goes from the 1st of July to the 30th of June. That is our year. And then we continue on. We have a meeting in July in the second week, and we start in with our new officers. So we do, in fact, have a list of rules for the election. We have a list of rules on ballots, the formation of the ballot, how someone is qualified to be an officer, and we have a set of rules determining the count. And at the end of the time, when everything is all done, we take all the ballots, all of the paperwork done by the election committee, as they are the first counters of the ballot, and the six people who are chosen afterwards to certify the ballot, and everything concerning that election, all the notes and everything goes into a, a envelope, and it is sealed and stamped, and the signatures of the education committee are put onto that envelope, and that election is sealed, and it's over with. And that is kept in the files on down the road as a record to verify the election. So that is a record for the assembly. Have you got any questions concerning what I have spoken? No, no questions at this point. I don't know if Steve has a question. I have a question that I have later that I can ask, but uh, none at this point. Okay. Paul, I, I turn it back over to you. Okay. Is there any um, thing we need to review from last week during our you, discussion? You had the six you had the six comments on on uh, the notice in the paper. You want to go back and start with that? I would have to. See the Illinois one right beside one of ours. Um, join me, if that's possible. Okay, uh, uh, Paul Jr., can you repeat which one you want to see? The one from Illinois next to one of the counties, whether it be Montcalm, Kent. I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I could bring that up. I don't know how to do all that. It was possible to put them side by side. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, or even if you could change screens from one to the other. 
Darveen, would you like to get on join me? I um, don't know if I can join in which way. Okay. We have a join me screen. If you put uh, this number in, you can be on the same screen we're looking at, and we can show you the envelope that uh, Dustry received from you. Oh. Did that have a Muslim stamp on it also? Well, I'm not sure what the stamp is, but I'm, I would believe that if you looked at it, you'd be able to know. Well, let me uh, let me try this. I should be able to. Hang on one sec. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what, what, what I'm doing on this, the screen here. Okay. So I go get my tablet. And uh, what do I do? Go on Google and no, go you, on join, join you go, me. You you write join me on, on the uh, on the uh, top uh, of the screen. Somebody's going to have to tell her this computer literate. Do I Google it? Join me. No, no. You're supposed to type it in. Uh, in the, I don't know what the words are. Somebody tell her where she where she needs to type that in at. In the upper left hand corner in your web browser. Oh, so that it would be like on Google, right? If that's who you have, yeah. Okay, and join me. J O I N M E. Yeah, joinme dot com. Okay. Paul. Now, the number that we have tonight is 250. Hang on. Let me... My my server's a little slow. It's still um, looking into it. This is Cindy. Can I make a quick correction for her to get out quicker? Oh, no. If she puts in join dot me forward slash and then the number that you will give her, it will bring her right directly onto our screen. Okay. Yeah. Join join dot me forward slash and what's the number? Two five zero. Yes. Five three five. Yes. Nine eight one. Okay. Uh, uh, Paul Jr. Yes. I don't know what's... I got uh, one, two, three different areas down below that I got uh, information on from Illinois, and I'm trying to log on to my uh, uh, information, and I, I can't seem to pull it up. I don't know how to... I drop down and it logs on and I try to click it back. I don't know if I'm locked up or what the heck I'm doing here. All I got is her information. I was lucky to get that on tonight. Okay. I'm... um 
I need to, if you don't, I need to write that number down because I lost it. Hang on one sec, please. And this is Cindy again. Don't forget the dashes in between the three-digit numbers. It's so it's two five zero dash five three five dash nine eight one. Okay, could you please repeat that? So I go on to www join dot me and then forward slash. And what is the number, please? Two five zero dash yes. uh-huh. five five three five dash five three five correct yes dash nine eight one five eight one nine eight one nine eight one two five zero dash five three five dash nine eight one. Correct. Okay, let's try that. Okay, Joe, the, the way I do this is I would go to your next, in that file folder, go to your next. Next uh, click there? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that right there. Okay. Now, minimize that down in the bottom. Remember which one it is. Minimize that. Go in the upper right-hand corner. Hit the hash mark. Hash, hyphen, hyphen. I don't know what the heck you're talking. I, that's foreign stuff to me. Red, I red, red, there. red box in the upper right-hand corner of your computer screen. I can hit that. Go the red box. Go two boxes to the left. That's how you minimize it. Oh, yeah, right there. Put it down the bottom. Put it down in the bottom tray. It okay, is. Wow. Go over to your documents somehow. Pull up one of our county settlement documents. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have any of them? I'm having trouble getting on. I'm sorry. I um I think I think it uh, may need to have an installation of join me. Before they let me do that. Okay. We'll have to have Nick get with you to get that. He'll explain it to me. He stepped off his call. He's probably getting ready for work. And uh, he set mine up. So I've just got an icon on my on my home screen. So I just uh, click that icon and I'm automatically on. Then I just have to put the number in. No. Well, let's let's make use of the call and get on to something that uh, 
some of their documents. Yeah, let's get back onto the document that was put in the newspaper. Okay, yeah. we got. Be- before we do that, can I can I approach the floor, please? I have two questions. Oh yes. Could you describe me the envelope that was given that was received by these three on the the stamp? It had a a stamp. Look like it. I'm colorblind, but it was a blue. It was kind of a light blue, a little oh, bit. No. And uh, it had some uh, script on it, right? It looks like it did, but it had the postmark was put over top of the of the stamp itself, so it's hard to differentiate postmark from black lines that were on the blue field. Well, I sent you an envelope to the mail stop. Yes. And that had a copy of the letter that was returned. And um, I went to Office Max and had it enlarged so you can see the script very well. I made a copy of the envelope, and then I sent the original paper, the certificate that we put in the public publication, as well as the um, envelope, yeah. uh, the copy of that, and sent it to you. And uh, that was last week. It hasn't yet returned. Yeah. Okay, that that's your letter you're talking about. The envelope? Yes. Is she is she able to see the screen? No, no. She's, not, she's not able to get out and join me, but it looks like a dragon. A dragon that has like uh, four strip marks coming down. Yeah. That's not my stamp. Yeah. It looks like it's got four legs on it with the head up in the air and the tail down. Yeah, it's not my stamp. The ones that I'm using now are Star Wars. Yeah. And and those little wonderful pickup trucks. Yeah. <laughs> I love those trucks. I want one so bad. <laughs> I want the one that um anyone. The Ford, the Chevy, the International Harvester, that's my favorite, but that's okay. I don't know if I could get it. And I want a red one. And I I'll just buy a junk one and fix it up. I'll have it fixed up. I don't know the first thing about mechanicals, but I I just love it. But anyway, that's what I'm using now is so I um I buy the stamps and then I use either that and then the Star Wars stamp because I'm you know and endorsing Star Wars. <laughs> and I would never use a Muslim stamp. I guarantee you that. Okay, Joe, can we can we get on the uh uh notice it was in the paper? Uh on hers I can I got a and I have no idea how to turn it this way and that way. Yeah, well. Okay. Can I ask go. can I ask my other question? I mean this obviously was intercepted, the letter was intercepted, that was not my stamp. Somebody put another stamp and sent it to D Street. So that's something on your end we still have to contact our um 
uh, inspector, postal inspector here. But here's my other question, and you don't have to answer it now, but whenever you'd like to. All this election and the republic as establishing all the republic, what does that, how is that connected with the grand jury of common law? Okay, Paul. The grand jury is only for the use of a matter before it. If somebody brings an issue, somebody brings a claim. Yeah. That's the time for a grand jury. All the rest of our meetings are purely assembly meetings because the assembly was before a grand jury. When you go back to our founding documents, the assembly existed prior to a grand jury. A grand jury hears a matter and decides a matter and can find a resolution in a matter, but the assembly takes care of all the other work. The assembly deals with the electors, the election process. The assembly deals with settling the state settling counties, etc. The thing is, is that a grand jury is used to settle each county. Somebody wants to bring a claim of settling the county, a petite grand jury is normally used to settle a county. The thing is, is you got to go back to in the um, all that, in our Grand Jury Handbook, there's a section in there that says in, in a uh, Chapter 9 of the, or that's, now I'm trying to remember what book it is. In Chapter 9, it states that when there is a de jure grand jury seated, a de facto grand jury does not exist. A de jure grand jury has the highest authority in making its decisions. The thing is, is when a county is settled by a grand jury, a matter is brought before the grand jury, the grand jury deliberates on it, and the grand jury votes on it, the jury publishes its findings of fact. The thing is, in the past 20-some years, 30-some years, that people tried doing certain things, settling this, doing this, doing that, when it comes to townships and counties and state issues, when it's decided upon by a grand jury, especially a de jure grand jury, it cannot be overturned by anything of the corporate world or a de facto grand jury. A de jure grand jury has the last say in a matter when settling a county. That's why we use grand juries to settle the counties. But a grand jury only operates when there's an issue before it. And this is a thing that was found out many years ago in our state that once that township was settled, or once the county was settled, once the issues were done, what do we do? You can't. A grand jury can't meet month after month or week after week there is nothing to deliberate. There is no issue before it. 
So it is not, by definition, a grand jury. That's where the assembly comes into effect. The assembly has meetings. A grand jury has deliberations. That's the difference between them. Does that does that bring some light to the issues? Yes, it does. That's very good. I wanted to bring that up. And the other question that I wanted to answer, I ask you please, and I'd like you to help me with that. Is it possible to have a grand jury of common law, the fourth <clears throat> branch, occurring concurrent with a de facto assembly? I mean, but you don't have to have a this de facto assembly, but just a group of people who happen to be de facto. Can it be possible? No. Okay, so it has to be a de jure government or the de jure assembly of common law separated, but uh, separated from the public offices of the de facto to have an effective common law grand jury, right? Yes, we take our grand jury that we've held three times. Our grand jury has all come out of the people from the assembly. And the assembly is of common law. The the, the assembly, uh, the, the people you can't use the word common law in the assembly because common law is nature's law, which goes back to what Judge Napolitano explains in that. Uh, attachment. Uh-huh. The thing is, is that the assembly, years and years and years ago, in, in the fundamental orders of this country, which was back in the 1600s, okay. actually 1670, 1670s, and 1660s, there was actually assemblies. And the fundamental orders that founded a lot of this stuff said that we will have an assembly, and the assembly has the duties of this, this, and this. And under oath, you had to take an oath to be an assembly member. And you pledged your life, your liberty, and your possessions. That's how you became an assembly member. There is no, there is no such thing as a de facto assembly or de facto people involved in an assembly. A assembly member is a live flesh and blood man, not any type of corporation. <clears throat> somebody that is willing to take an oath physically to pledge themselves to their brothers or sisters in that assembly. That's what makes up the assembly. Then from out of that assembly, you have people that are recognized amongst each other to have a certain standing in a belief. The thing is, is that some people in our assembly actually hold a public office. Some people actually are county commissioners. Some people actually did hold an office as a township supervisor or treasurer. Those people who hold a public office cannot hold a office in the assembly. You can't wear two hats. When it comes to being elected for a state treasurer, an interim state treasurer, and you're a 
county treasurer. You can't have that. You're either one or the other. So going back, assembly members pledged each other under oath, and we've actually got a document, actually used three documents, the Declaration of Independence, a general covenant, and let's see, GI, JCO, um, and the the, declar- the Declaration of Unalienable Rights. Right, the DUR. There's actually two of them. The DUR, the JCO, and the DOI. Those are no acronyms, titles, words spelled out. Yeah. yeah okay. Well. Decoration. The Declaration of Independence, the Jural Office, of, the Jural Covenant of Office, or oath, and then the Declaration of Unalienable Rights. Yes, so the three documents that we use when you become an assembly member. The JCO is what really binds you. But the JCO is really an oath to support. And uphold the Constitution. No, because we're not constitutors. I don't. That's not my piece of paper. The Bill of Rights is my piece of paper. The Constitution is not my piece of paper. The Constitution is only for those that hold an office in that form of government that that Constitution applies to. The thing is, is that we use the Constitution in our covenant. See, we have a state covenant. We don't have a state constitution because the covenant is actually stronger than the constitution because it involves all people, all members, everybody interacting outside and within. Our constitution is only for the constitutors and those holding the public office as their guideline, as their corporate bylaws. That's where the Constitution stops. That's why we use a covenant. Because a covenant has more authority in in the people than what a Constitution does. See, many years ago, when those... I'm, I'm, when the authors of the Constitution tried passing that piece of paper onto the people in this country... The people were very well educated back then, and the people said, screw you. We are not going to live by that. They had the authors of the Constitution, and those that wanted that had to address the issue of the people. The people have a Bill of Rights. That's a whole separate document. When somebody says... I'm, I'm a gun owner. I believe in my Second Amendment right to the Constitution. There is no such thing. None. The second article in the Bill of Rights involves armament. Free speech is in the first article of the Bill of Rights. It's got nothing to do with the Constitution. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution are two separate issues. So therefore, when somebody walks into court saying... I have constitutional rights. Really? Well, you must be a U.S. citizen then and a constitutor. Separate up here because I will show you how the Constitution does not apply in this administrative government of a court setting. The Constitution 
Yeah, there's some people who swore an oath to it. Yes. There's some people who swore an oath a few times to uphold the Constitution of the United States and defend it against all evil, both foreign and domestic. The thing is, is while you're in that office, once you're out of that office and you take another oath, that oath is what binds you for that time, period of operating within, whether it be the assembly or whether it be some other office. But we do not use a constitution. We do not. We never drafted a state constitution. We use the constitutions for reference, for guidelines, but it's not. It's that's all it's used for is guidelines only. In reference, it's not the binding contract. The binding contract is a covenant. And when you go back in the Old Testament, the covenant, well, actually, it's still today in the New Testament or the Bible is the covenant is actually the strongest form of document binding between people, or in the case of the Bible, between God and man. So that's why we use the covenant. Does does that shed some light on that for you, Noreen? Yes, absolutely, and this is very good because Steve... Um, is you know watching listening to this, but uh, Dave and Steve are going to assist in uh, getting our handbook together, and the, and our handbook is based on what you are what you are telling us right now. So that's very good. To see this, this uh, little back this publication is that you said in your state seven that you had also a state constitution. See, and the thing is, is you have to have these documents prepared ahead of time, tied upon by the assembly, the wording. Our, our covenant itself, I remember the meetings that we've had, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was three to four months worth of meetings and just going over the words and phrases in our covenant for Michigan, the free and independent state. Three to four months. And that didn't even include the rough draft prior to that. Three to four months was just settling the words and phrases of what we finally come upon and settled on. And it, it took some time. Well, we did a very good job. It was very thorough. That's nice. So I get that now, um, and the the importance... Uh, because I, you know, people were asking me, and I didn't have a good answer. Why do we have to have an assembly? Why don't we concentrate straight on just getting the grand jury? And then, when the grand jury is not convened, then people are just doing their regular job. Why does it have to have an assembly in between regular people and the grand jury? Now there are kind of three components because you have the, you know, ordinary people as we the people, and then you have the assembly of common law, and then you have the grand jury when it's convened. Yes, yes, because the people, the people that's for an oath, Involved in assembly is is a certain group of people. 
And out of that can come that grand jury for for the time being right now. And the thing is, um, I know Van and Linda are on. Uh, Linda, if you could so graciously, please. Um, there was a document that's called the Fundamental Orders that uh, yeah. derived out of uh, 1660s, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I just had that on my. I just had that on my lap with our in our train the trainer book. I just had that. So let me find that again, okay? Okay, because in there, what what you need, Norlene and and Steve and Dave and everybody else, is that was the founding reason why and how come when in the Mayflower Compact, those people assembled, and it states right in there. There was an assembly of people. They assembled to do this. Yeah. And in there. It explains what they what their intentions were and what they were doing. Matter of fact, one interesting point, I know in your neighboring state in Indiana, mm-hmm. last sentence of their founding document says that we people that have of this assembly and it was under some shade tree along some river at the south end of Indi- Indiana is where they actually did uh, founding, er, the settlement papers for Indiana originally under some tree. It wasn't even in a building. Hey, Paul. Yes. If they go to First Michigan Assembly and go under Documents of Authority, it's right there because I posted that a long time ago. Yeah, we have that. That's what we used. Okay. So, so that's uh, you know th- that's exactly what we use. Um, but I, w- you know, there are questions that people were asking me, and I gave the answers the way I learned from you. But I just wanted to verify the answers, and it's also for the benefit of Steve since he's on the phone. Yes, yeah. in the fundamental orders, it explains that very thoroughly, the why and how come of the people came together to, to form an assembly. Order number 10, that's what it is. It's, uh, Thanks, Linda. It's highlighted in our book. Shall I read it? Yes, please. It's about three sentences. Okay, it comes from the fundamental orders. Um in the spring of 1638, three Connecticut towns got together, chose their representatives, had their general court. They called it back then a general court. And um, we don't actually call it a general court. We call it an assembly. Okay, fundamental order number 10. It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed, so on. And then in the middle of it is highlighted what I need to read, what I read, need to, read to you. Um, let's see. Okay, they shall, magistrates shall call a court. And, it shall consist of the major part of the freemen that are present or their deputies with a moderator chosen by them. Okay, and then it's highlighted. In which said general court shall consist the supreme power of the commonwealth, and they only shall have power to make laws or repeal them, to grant levies, to admit, the, admit of freemen, dispose of undisposed of to several towns and or persons and also shall have power to call 
either court or magistrate or any other person whosoever into question for any misdemeanor and may for just causes place or appeal otherwise according to the nature of the offense and also may deal in any other matter that concerns the good of this commonwealth except the election of magistrates which shall be done by the whole body of freemen uh, period next sentence in which court the governor or moderator shall have power to order the court to give liberty of speech and such unseasonable and disorderly speaking to put all things to vote and in case the vote be equal to have the casting voice but none of these courts shall be adjourned or dissolved without the consent of the major part of the court and and that included freemen and this this particular this particular um, these particular words are dealing with what Paul was talking about just a little bit ago in that our assembly and we don't call it a common law assembly we can, the word common law is what we use and we don't have to call it a common law we call our assembly Michigan General Jural Assembly and and we meet okay the assembly will meet forever it's a, it's a forever organization. It 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 will it will exist forever, and it will meet once a month forever. And it's the ruling body of our assembly, and it handles all of the the business. And then, if we have a complaint come into us, then from those members, we choose. Uh, and then we use the whole process of the grand jury to um, settle the case and that's when the common law comes in you study your common law from the common law books past and you use that in judging the case I yield thank you Linda Yes, one thing to note, thank you, Linda. One thing to note in this is the definition of court. The general court back then. Let's go back to the king's court. There was actually two courts. When you come into my court, which one am I referring to? You get to know the setting and the verbiage of that in the description for what's being used. The king's court is actually an open area outside the palace. Everybody back then that had a sizable house, the sizable area for a yard, actually had a court, and it was an enclosure that had those open to the skyline courtyard today they call them courtyards back then they called them just courts because courtyard is more defining of the terminology than being out in an area 
but that is their court. And when you go back and look at these documents, the fundamental orders, it was a general court, referring to a meeting place or an area, and what transpired from there. Were they having a church meeting, or were they having a town meeting, or were they having a meeting involving a judicial matter? which had to be decided upon by those that were involved there, which would be a grand jury then. So defining court is a very, very important thing here because it's not just a a judicial ministerial setting. It can mean a few different things. And that's the important thing. When you are reading the fundamental orders, what court are they discussing in that sentence, and how is it being used? This goes back to using a dictionary of that time period, and that's one thing that I've learned in the past, is if you're going to read laws out of the, the mid-1700s, if you want the true definitions, you better be using Black's Law, first edition. If you want to know what the definitions of words and contracts meanings are in the early 1800s, through the mid-1800s, you better use an old Webster's 1828 because that defined the use of the words in that time period. And that is a very important thing. You cannot use a Black's... I don't even know what they use today. Black's 8th, 9th, whatever. I mean, you've you got to be able to use the, 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 the dictionary of the terminology or words that's used in that particular time period. That's why it's really important to have a Noah's 1828, which to our assembly, that is the dictionary we normally use for defining our terms and references. Because we have adopted and used that specifically. And that is in our um, assembly decisions and in our minutes. That is a dictionary that we use. Then beyond that, it's up to you if you want a black's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, first, second, whatever. It's for your studies. Bouviers, if you want to go there. Blackstones, if you want to go there. And it's commentaries deciding the definitions of certain terms and phrases. So, and that's that's going back to that, just that one word, court, what? is the definition of the word court used in this. So that's how come it's, it's got to be looked at quite closely when somebody says, what court? What are they doing? What's the setting? So with that, I yield. Paul, are you pretty well set for as far as you want to go tonight? I believe so. Um, Nick and Joe are going to have to get together here and to be able to um, go back to this um, join me to be able to compare documents side by side or to be able to flip between the two screens. Um, okay. I'll see that that's done before we meet again. 
Darvine, have you got any questions that you'd like to ask before we round up tonight? Uh, no, I don't uh, have any questions. This is uh, you answered all my questions, and uh, the structure is significant uh, because we are going to have to we are gearing up to have to deal with um, the concept that there is no. The statement, there is no common law in Illinois, is a very important statement, and we have to learn how to deal with it. So the things that you're telling us is very important. Narveen, would you like to... Uh, we would like to meet with Illinois in the coming week. Is there a... Uh, can you give us a days when it would be best for you? As we have a uh, call on Wednesday night, would be the first day of February. Mm-hmm. And then we have the 9 o'clock call on National on Thursday night. Those are the two we have. We could meet on Thursday night if you like it at the time we did tonight, and then you'd have time to get off to get on to the uh, National call if you like. Sure, you- that's fine. And what I can do is ask some more of the uh, Illinois Assembly people to to join us, if I, if they can. A lot of them are working odd hours, so they're not always available uh, to be, get on the call. But yes, I can certainly do that. Tell me which day works for you. Well, we were wondering what, how, what days that you have open. Uh, my commitment is to Monday, um, Tuesday, and after February will be Monday. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I'm free for the rest of the week. Okay. I just hop, I hop on the Oregon call um, on Wednesday, but otherwise, um, you know. Would you, um, like, would you like to meet on the 31st? I'd be on a that's Tuesday. Fine. That's fine. Okay, because that, that's our, our standard meeting night, but we only use uh, two two uh, Tuesdays out of the month to, for meeting and that uh, 31st is open for us. I beg, my, I beg your pardon. 31st is a Tuesday, so I can't because I'll be with the Illinois Assembly. Last okay. night we went on till 9.30. It was too late. So okay. it has to be anything but uh, how about uh, for later on this week, if you would like to, we can. I can still meet Friday or Saturday. Otherwise, next week would be Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Okay. Or in the assembly in, in Michigan, we've kind of got an unwritten rule that we, we don't meet on Friday because of family affairs, and we only meet on the weekends if it's an absolute, you know, we've got business that we've got to transact no matter what. Okay, so, no problem. So we can we can meet on uh, uh, Thursday night at the same time. It'll be 7.30 uh, Michigan, and it'll be 6.30 on Illinois. That's perfect. No problem. Very good. Then that's what we'll do then. We'll have our next meeting on uh, uh, eight days from now on Thursday evening. That will be um, the second February. February the second. Yes. Is okay. there, uh, Narveen, Is there things in your mind that you're thinking about that you could tell us, and 
we have some documents that we're going to bring forward and send to you. But if you have some concerns you'd like to tell us about, that would uh, inspire us to dig up other documents and send them to you also. These are documents concerning, like, fundamental orders and the Pan-American Agreement. If there's anything in that nature that you feel that you would like to know about, we can present those documents also. At this point, all I'm doing is learning everything that you're giving us, so I don't have, um, I don't have any questions. I mean, I'm just absorbing what you're giving us, um, and I, I didn't even know, for example, some of these. If any information on the common law grand jury, the grand jury of common law, Okay. that uh, if you have any kind of documentation, I would very much like that because we'd like to upload it on our website as a document of authority. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mr. Martin. Yes, go ahead, Paul. This is Dan. May I? Yes. yes. Um, just a point of information. and uh, uh, Corpus Juris Secundum Volume 38A, Section 9, it says, and I quote, it cannot be a grand jury de facto when there is a grand jury de jure. I would very much like a, a, a photograph of that. I don't know if I can... Paul was telling me it's hard to get that copy, but if I can get a copy of that or if... If you could scan it on and send it to me or something, I very much want that. We, we will have that done. That will be coming to you. Thank you. That's very important. Because this is the book that they use, the de facto uses. Yes. Yes. Very good. Incredible. Thank you so much. This is perfect. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Illinois, for being on tonight and thank you everybody in Michigan for taking the time to be on this call I'm sure it's good for everybody thank you everyone for being on yes go ahead Narveen sorry may I announce this call to the rest of the assembly on the Tuesday to invite them anyone who can or do you do you want to keep it just a few of us this call is, is for Illinois and the number that I've given you for this call, 143215, yes. is, is strictly to be kept on this call and is strictly to be kept with the people on this call. So make sure that when you, you tell the people from Illinois that they keep this number and they're not to share, you know, to give it out all over the place because we just want Illinois on this call. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. All, right. all right. Great. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, good night. Uh, yes, Dan. Paul, I just want to suggest something. Um, the recording of this call would be valuable to listen to uh, for anyone that wants to listen to it that's from Illinois or maybe even other states. Okay. Uh, but if we do that, we might have to share, share the number, uh, and we don't want to do that. No, so, not, not so just uh, for the people of Illinois, um, uh, tell them how they can get on this uh, recording for this call. 
we're, we're going to work on that, Dan, and we're going to get that set up, and we're going to share that information with Illinois so other people down there can get on these calls and review the old ones. <coughs> Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you for being on the call. Thank you. Good night for Michigan. Good night. This ends another uh, Helping Other States, uh, Illinois number two call, January uh, 25th, 2017, at 9.15 p.m. We'll meet uh, again. On uh, Thursday, February 2nd, 2017, at 7.30 p.m. again. And if we can't meet at that time, we'll meet at another scheduled meeting. And good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.